The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. We are driving straight towards the playoff, uh, towards the playoffs, and more immediately, we have the All-Star break, the filled-in Olympic break, and of course, the trade deadline. Uh, we are going to talk some trades today. We're going to talk some rumors. We're going to talk some suspensions, including an in-game penalty that I have never heard of in longer than the two players involved have been alive. Um, I don't even know where to start this week. Close um, your eyes, twirl your finger around, and let me know where it stops, and we'll start there. This your stupidity. Um uh, let's get the sh- yeah yeah. I mean, we should get the sheer stupidity out of the way. I just and by sheer stupidity, I mean of the players involved. Oh yeah. Um, because I don't understand how this is still happening. One in the AHL and one in the ECHL, and the well, dumb is pervasive. I stumbled across the one in the AHL. Uh, a tweet came across my phone and it turns out that Boko Imama, who we've talked about in the past, um, at one point I could have swore he, and and I, I neglected to actually look up his complete run of, of stops in the AHL. But I think we talked about him because he was, uh, teamed up with, uh, Quinton Byfield in LA system. But he's playing for the Tucson Roadrunners at the moment, and apparently a, a Czechoslovakian player by the name of Kristoff Hravik uh, had less than human being that he is just made a gesture at Imama uh, of a racial tone, and he's actually been suspended 30 games. The thing that kills me about this is the comment that he made more than anything else it, it really bothers me. People should know that I had absolutely no inappropriate intent. The gesture was made in the heat of battle, and while I didn't mean anything racist by what I did, I realize now that through my own ignorance how my gesture could be interpreted. I fully accept the consequences of my actions and am not appealing the discipline imposed by the AHL. It sounds to me like this guy has a very smart agent who told him to not do anything or say anything stupid and to just be contrite and let it go. Because how do you, how do you not know what you're doing and whether, and whether it's appropriate or inappropriate or not? It, it, it's common human decency to know what you're doing and to know that if it's you're insulting wrong. someone by implying that they are subhuman, you automatically know that you're doing something. Yes. At least a little bit wrong. You had to make the choice to make and the gesture. Literally, this happens at least two or three times a year somewhere in hockey. Two or three times a year. As it happens, we have a, an two, identical incident. Two in the same week? 
two um, in the same 24-hour span? Yeah, certainly 24, 48-hour span. I do. Because over in the ECHL, um, Jacksonville Iceman defenseman Jacob Panetta um, made a similar gesture uh, uh, about and to the back of Jordan Subban. Yes, Jordan, Jordan Subban would the be the youngest, the youngest brother. Yeah, he's the he's the youngest. He's 26. <clears throat> and the things that strikes me is all of these guys are the same age. Mm-hmm. And Jacob Panetta grew up in the same town that PK and Dude, they're all and from Jacob played uh, played in the OHL. In. They're all from Belleville. Ah. You can you can try and convince me that it's not possible these two have met before, uh, before making it to you know professional hockey. I'm not yes. going to believe you, but I'm willing to listen as you make these whatever nonsense fall out of your mouth, or you know you want to send it to me in a tweet. Rock on. Um, so. From everything, I mean, from everything I've read, though, Boko Imama didn't get a chance to <clears throat> repay Kristoff for his gesture or actions. However, it would appear that Jordan Suban did get to exact a little bit of, of uh, thankfulness, and as he repeatedly thanked Jacob Panetta by punching him in the face multiple times. Yes, and. It's probably good for um, it's probably good for uh, Christoph Hrabik's health that he did not uh, yes. get properly thanked because Boko uh, Mama is much more of a fighter than than Jordan Subban. Yes, he is. We that's why I said we've talked about this kid before. He's a very big boy. And he has not- a fifty game, hundred and thirty four um, pim season to his credit in pro hockey, which I didn't even know was possible anymore. Um, Likes to throw down, I think. Either like, that or he's really good at getting like double minors like eight times a game because <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. Um, Jordan Subban, yes. He, Jordan Subban, like- who is not a big guy. He's more like Jay Panetta was too much of a coward to fight me. And as soon as I began to turn my back, he started making monkey gestures at me. So I punched him in the face multiple times and he turtled like the coward he is. I love that. Um, And P.K. Subban weighed in with his general soft tones. Um, And this is an extended this is an extended quote from Twitter. Uh, they don't call the East Coast League the jungle because my brother and I, other black players are monkeys. Hey, and he's got uh, it's uh, Jacob Panetta's um, handle. Uh, you shouldn't be so quick to delete your Twitter or Instagram account. You'll probably be able to play again. That's what history says, but things are changing now. Not just the hockey world knows your true colors. Your hometown of Belleville knows your family knows and your friends know you're a fraud. <clears throat> with everything that has gone on the past couple of years in the world, I'll say with all due respect to everyone who has an opinion, this isn't a mistake. Thank you. We all know what's okay and what's not. Even your teammates wanted to see you get your clog cleaned. 
Uh, this happens a lot, and it never gets exposed in the lower leagues. One thing that I love about this is Jordan's teammates standing in there and showing support. Um, <laughs> as a rule, I, <clears throat> as a brother, I find it hard to stay out of things where my family is being threatened. Yeah. Agreed. And in general, I think that if it's a manageable threat, it, it's probably better for siblings not to escalate. On the other hand, given how little has been done about this historically, rock on PK. <laughs> I, I mean, like, as I said, pre, as I said, pre-show, pre um, how wise it was of Jacob Panetta to go after Jordan Subban, whose brother is only, I don't know, somewhat well-known, like, around the world and, and only has a few million or hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I, should have picked somebody with a little less exposure. Because, I mean, he, this is these not, guys really don't. And this is the one where, <clears throat> in a club statement, currently the ECHL is reviewing the situation and we will comment upon conclusion of that review. What is taking so long? This is the game where, as you foreshadowed earlier, <clears throat> he, was he was assessed 27 minutes in penalties, including... And I don't know that we've ever seen this. A double game misconduct. So they managed to throw him out of the game and then throw him out of the game again. It was so egregious. I mean, is that – hold on. Yeah. Oh, no, we're throwing you out of the game. You're done. See you. Wait, no, you're not done yet. Okay, now you got to go again. <laughs> yeah, you need to take your bags and someone else's because <laughs> – I I literally don't get how people think they're going to get away with this. Even if they genuinely feel that it's okay, I don't get how even complete morons could believe they're going to get away with it on a crowded ice surface with lots of with a reasonable number of cameras uh and a all the all of the teammates and the opposite team and the officials, and, you know, in the AHL, at least, there's some of those games are televised, as well as in the NHL. Someone's going to pick something up. Like, I don't get it. How can you be that stupid? I mean, I am, I worked with the public for years. I am completely aware in many, 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 many forms of how stupid humans can be. This, this right here is some next level ish. Yeah. <laughs> Both of them. Both of them. Yes, but at least something was done quickly in, in, in the AHL. In, in the AHL. What the hell is the ECHL waiting for? The fact that the referees felt 
that it was necessary to give him, wait a minute, <clears throat> in, included a fighting major, double game misconduct, um, and oh, they nailed another guy on the stingrays for, I guess, coming to Subban's <clears throat> help, Nico Blackman, Blackman, B-L-A-C-H-M-A-N. Uh, they assessed the game misconduct for continuing an altercation and for inciting. If they felt the need to throw this guy out of the game twice, what the hell is taking him so long? There's video evidence of what happened. It's not like this is the 1940s where the footage is grainy and, and black and white. I mean, it's, Large, living color, HD. This is what happened. The refs saw it. And the officials saw it. (laughs) Saw it. And they still, they're they're investigating? Investigating for what? (laughs) Literally pick a video conferencing tool. You could pull everyone involved onto it because every one of those video platforms will work from your phone. And you're not going to convince me that none of these professional hockey players uh, officials, off-ice officials, coaches, ha- uh, that any of them are lacking a phone, a, a smartphone. You're just not. You're not going to convince me. Nope. You could do the whole thing before both teams and the officials leave the building after the game. You could legitimately have all of the officials go into one room, the two players from their locker rooms, and then any other witnesses you need to call and 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 do the entire hearing in 30 minutes, 40 minutes, whatever. Just, ask the I, officials what's happening, record it, ask the victim what happened, record it, ask witnesses what happened, record it, ask the accused what happened, record it, play it all back, make a decision, and stop looking like chumps. Uh, yeah, because right now the ECHL is the one with egg on their face. What the hell's taking them so long? This should have been dealt with almost immediately. I understand due process, but we've just line, we've just outlined how to get due process done. And I know the ECHL isn't as well funded as the NHL, but guess what? There are dozens of free video. Uh, tools that will still allow you to record stuff. Dozens. Get it done. Stop being morons. And we're on to the next story. All right. Second paragraph. Panetta. Nope. No, no, I got to read this. Panetta, 26 year old from Belleville, accused of making monkey gesture. Black. Video shows Panetta appearing to raise his arms toward his side while looking at Subban in the aftermath of the scuffle. Video shows, there you go, it's done. They have video. It's over. I don't know what's taking them so long. Now we can go to the next story. Yes. Don't want to talk about it anymore. Nope. Um, I'll be shouting the whole rest of the show if I do. It gets us really worked up. Okay, uh, Jasper's Rink tweeted a couple of days ago um, a list of 10 NHL players uh, with a cap hit over $5 million who had, to this point, played 20 games or fewer uh, in the year. 
And the names on the list are somewhat terrifying because with the exception of maybe one of them, you have the makings of a pretty good all-star team. Um, Nikita Kucherov, Evgeny <laughs> Melkin, Nicholas Backstrom, Patrick Laine, Max Pacioretty, Matt Murray, Ryan Ellis, Nick Schmaltz, TJ Oshie, uh, Anthony Manza, and Alex Martinik. You could make a playoff team just by filling in the rest of the roster uh, if you had all of no those good, people. There's no place. good goaltenders on this list. Uh, yeah, there, that, that that does seem to be a problem. But you I mean, could still make the playoff make a playoff team by filling in the rest of the roster with these guys, assuming you had cap space. Well, yeah, because there's a lot of money in there. Holy cow! Kucherov nine and a half. Malkin, Malkin nine and a half. Nine and a half. Backstrom nine point two. Wow! Yeah, this this team alone. Get you the, these ten, these eleven players alone get you right up against the cap, I think. So you'd have to fill in the rest of the roster with entry levels. And I, I mean, when you take this and add it to all of the COVID protocols, I understand why the escrow is so amazingly large this year. I'm not saying it's a good thing because a lot of players uh, who had expected to invest or pay off they pay off their mortgages and stuff like that out of their salaries in a sh- fairly short period of time aren't going to be able to do so. So this um, is so this is less than 20 games out of the first half of the season. First third of Malkin, the season, maybe Malkin's first half. back. At least I thought I saw him on the ice. I thought I saw highlights of Malkin the other day. This was tweeted on the 18th, so five days ago. Yeah, I think Malkin actually has come back at least. Oh, no, definitely some of these guys are playing. I mean, we saw Ryan Ellis, uh, I believe it was, the other night. Backstrom scored a goal against the Bruins the other night. But he is. It was only his eighth game of the season. They did say that. He was only back for eight games. So, I mean, at the end of the season, this list may not be quite as long, but yes, there's a lot of talent and a lot of money on this list. And is this is this a side benefit? Is this teams taking advantage of Kucher, the Kucherov situation? You know, you know, they Kucherovved him. It's becoming um, a thing. In in some cases, it probably is. I think that. It would not necessarily surprise me if the Penguins said to Malkin, look, we can't move you anyways. We need you healthy. You weren't healthy last year. You really weren't healthy the year before. Go mm-hmm. go sit on a beach until you're until you're fit. And when you're no longer injured, get your uh, hiney into the gym and then get back on the ice. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Pacioretty, we know, has had durability issues throughout his career, so I think that that's fairly genuine. Uh, Matt Murray is another guy who... No, Matt Murray is Matt Murray is a walking injury. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. Matt Murray, unfortunately, I mean, there is talent there. I've seen it. But, yeah, Humpty Dumpty, he's, he's a walking injury, unfortunately. Although, honestly, at nine games played and a 892 save percentage, 
He is a little bit better than uh, someone we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. <laughs> yep. Um, Ryan Ellis, unfortunate because that team desperately needs him. That team desperately needs a lot. Everything. <laughs> yes. That team needs. Uh, I hate to say it because I don't think. Well, I don't think most of the issue is the players. Or. Okay. There are a lot of players I like on the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay. As an assembly, it doesn't work. It clearly doesn't work. Well, they did the right thing in in getting rid of AV. AV, because if you have a spectator behind the bench as well as spectators in the stands... It makes it a little bit more difficult for somebody to actually, you know, instruct the team and make changes. And so you're saying that the uh, that the person who is supposed to be both pilot and navigator for your team should not be sitting uh, in uh, in row zero. Yeah, shouldn't be sitting in row zero. This is not the time for having a hot dog and a beer or maybe a thing of popcorn. You know, there's there's usually decisions that need to be made changes that need to be done on the fly I don't in know. season and not yeah. just in september well yes i mean it's one thing to come up with a game plan at the beginning of the season but you do need to tweak it as you go and then there are in-game changes that need to be made as you go and matchup as, things that need to be done yeah and, and av doesn't seem to handle those too well it's not that he doesn't handle them. I don't think he knows that they exist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, again, back to being a spectator. Yes. Um, there are guys, there are people in the stands who yell, shoot, shoot, shoot all of the time, like 60 minutes a game, who are at least as participatory in an average NHL game as Elaine Vigneault. Although he does look shocked and aggrieved anytime a penalty is called against one of his players. Well, that's an important know. That's an important thing right there. You have to know how to look shocked and aggrieved when a penalty is called. Now, I don't so, know if that's because he is genuinely shocked and aggrieved because he didn't understand what was going on or because he wasn't paying attention at all. Um, or maybe he's just a great method actor. Uh, if anyone does know this, please get back to us. Yes. I think I do more. I think I do more in-game coaching from my couch. And you get at least equal effects uh, as Elaine Vigneault. Yes, this is true. Uh, but yeah, Philly, uh, unfortunately, Philly does need a lot. And there are, like you said, some players. Farabee looks like a good young player. Um, uh, even like Nick Schmaltz, I kind of feel bad for because what does he have to look forward to? I mean, the Arizona 30 seconds or the soon-to-be Arizona Vagabonds, because they will not have a home uh, when the season ends. Um, I think if the town could get away with kicking them out now, they would. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, Glendale is is not. Glendale in the is so far done with that team. You think? Yeah. Um, and someone I. Well, I mean, we read the quote last week. <laughs> they decided not to wait until the kids graduated high school to get the divorce. <laughs> that was, by the way, one of the most beautiful quotes 
ever in regards to terminating a professional relationship. It was. Uh, although Arizona is going to have to do something really quick because Montreal has pulled ahead of them in the race for 32. Oh, both of them have played uh, 40 games and, you know, Arizona's just gone ahead and won 10 of them. Uh, they're 10, 26 and four. Well, Montreal is showing them up with an eight, 25 and seven. Mm-hmm. There's only one point to part in the standings, but you can't be too safe with these things. Yeah, no, you you can't. That, that's true. You've got to you've got to tamp down that urge to win in Arizona. Like, you need to start trading uh, for prospects immediately. You need to start trading away anybody who shows any gumption toward winning. <laughs> can't keep Jacob Chikrin. Can't keep Lawton Kraus. Um, I like the goaltender, Carol Gomelka. I get the feeling that with a better defense in front of him and, and well, a better team in front of him, that he'd actually have better results. He's he's over a 90 save percentage. He's also got a better save percentage than the person we're going to talk about later. Um, and looks like he's got the skills. And I think with a decent team in front of him, he'd actually – I'm not saying he's going to be throwing 940s up at the world, but – can he get into the 915 to 920 range? I think he can. He's got the skills. He's just probably going to have to trade Shane Gostas Bear. Uh, uh, can't keep him. Yeah, no. It's uh, I, I didn't realize this. I was watching a Colorado game the other night very quickly. And speaking of Philly, I didn't realize that they had waived uh, Nicholas Obey-Kubel seven games into the season. Apparently, I didn't know this. So in the seven Hard games, to keep he, track. In the seven games that he played with Philly, he had all of one assist. So they waive him. He gets picked up by a small team known as the Colorado Avalanche, where he's played 27 games, has six goals, seven assists. He's a plus nine. <clears throat> he's got one game winner. Mm-hmm. He, he's actually taken a couple of faceoffs, not many, but a couple. He actually plays... About a minute more a night. He's not taking a lot of minutes. Don't get me wrong. He's 11 minutes a night. But he's actually getting more minutes per night in Colorado. So On a deeper, better team, yes. Go ahead. On a deeper, better team. So is this a, a, the effect of uh, AV not knowing how to use Obe Kubel, or is this? Yes. I mean, part of it is that, and part of it is depth. I mean, when he you has have a better skills. Team. It's when you have a better team, almost everything gets easier. Because he's already in 13 games in, in, in 27 games. He's already got as almost as many points. He's got more than he had in the 2021 season in 50 games. He's one less than he had in. No, I'm sorry. Two less than in 1920 in 36 games. So, his numbers now are not shocking because he did it the same um, in roughly the same time frame, maybe slightly shorter when he was with Philly. And yet, did Philly give up on him too much? Yeah, thinking he did. Just a thought. Anyway. Well, you have to remember when teams are in trouble, the first thing they do is make a player move to shake up the locker room 
regardless of whether it's a locker room issue, a coaching issue, or just a construction issue. And this is a construction issue because, I mean, Claude Giroux has been in town nearly forever. Shouldn't it be a destruction issue, as in destruct the team? Um, <clears throat> there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of guys who, on the roster who have been there three or three years or less. But uh, when you look at their injury situation, they have over eleven million dollars on injured reserve. They have almost another eleven million on long-term injured reserve. Oh wow! Um, that's twenty. That's a quarter of a roster. Actually, it's probably a little bit more. I know that did uh, Kevin didn't Kevin Hayes just have some kind of like season ending or mostly season ending surgery or something like that? Uh, he is on the list. Yeah. So he's seven point one four two million himself. Um, but Ryan Ellis is on that list, as we discussed. Ryan Couturier is on the list. I, I mean, that's uh, Couturier Jean has Jean been Jean playing. Couturier? Sean Couturier. Yes. He had been playing first line minutes and you lose your first line center and probably your best defenseman and Ryan Ellis, you're going to have issues. But I still think that the team is not constructed in a way that I don't know. I had hope for them at the beginning of the year, despite AV, but looking at the injuries, (laughs) they're going to win in spite of him. (laughs) Yes. Um, not that not that either of us actually picked Philly for anything, but you know, just saying. No. But I thought that they were going to do better than that. I didn't think they were going to be more in the race for thirty-two than I figured they they would be contending for a spot rather than contending for the bottom. Yes, I thought they were a good dark horse uh, or you know eighth playoff team uh, in in the East. I could see that, yeah. I, but this is, this is ugly. Like Mm -hmm. they are 27th in the league, uh, right now, uh, in the standings, they are barely one point above the Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres are going to take a nosedive. They've got goaltending issues, but they are a full six points above the Seattle Kraken. Whoa. Who were supposed to be the second coming of Vegas? We were told at the beginning of the year this team was going to make a push for the playoffs, and I'm like, what bar are they buying tickets in? Because did you see did you see the roster and how many tickets are they going to get to the Vegas playoff games? Because that's how they're getting in. Uh, they might jump the border for Vancouver, but or or I don't know that Vancouver's getting in. Uh, that there is that, uh, but yeah, I mean Jordan Everly is leading the team in scoring as we all expected because that's not a hard jump, a hard guess. Wow! And Do you realize there are only two everyone else. Forwards. Do you realize there are only two forwards on Arizona that are signed after this year? Two. Okay, which forwards would you actually want to sign past this year? <laughs> <laughs> they have Nick Schmaltz and Andrew Ladd. Everybody else is, wow, there's a lot of red UFAs on that team. Wow. And a lot of people they don't really even need to consider. Austin Krauss and Christian Fisher are RFAs arbitration eligible. The rest of them are all UFAs. 
And then their defense is no. Uh, where in Seattle? No, this is Arizona. Oh right. Wow, Seattle. I haven't even looked at their roster. It's not much better in terms of long term. Uh, like right now, they have four forwards. No, they have four forwards beyond. There you go. Everly Gorday, Wenberg, and uh, Donskoy. Um, Who are probably the only four that I would want on this roster beyond this season. Anyway. They're the four that I would think start my start my evaluation of the team building around. Um, as much as I like Carson Coleman, uh, who ended up there after the Bruins kicked him to the curb, um, yeah, as much as great. I like Ryan Donato, who has actually been a reasonable performer there. Mm-hmm. Um, none of those guys, neither of those guys is building blocks. And Callie Yarncroke is another one of those guys who's nice to have, but he's not going to be in your top 10 priorities uh, for off season were uh, off season signings when he's you have as much improvement to make as this team does. He's a good middle six forward that gives you a lot of flexibility because he can play all three positions. Callie on has been around a while and been doing it. He plays, he's a strong, he's got a strong 200 foot game all of his years with Nashville, but he's so. not, he's not, unless you're going to build your PK around him. Or something like that. He's yeah, no, not no, your top ten priorities. No, no, I I get it. He's he. I mean, the most he's ever scored goals wise in a season was sixteen. He's done that twice. I mean, I get it. You're not building your offense around this guy. I'm just saying, as far as you know, the glue, the guys that the the middle guys that kind of do everything. He, that's what he's good at. So. You don't build around him, but he's one of the guys that you use to build the team. So I can see them maybe considering hanging on to him. Other than that, yeah, there's not a lot of I want to keep on this roster, just like Arizona. They got a lot of good youngsters in Arizona. I mean. And that's literally all they have? Yeah. Or they have guys who have been around a little bit long in the tooth, um, like Phil Kessel, who's still going to get paid by somebody next year. Yeah, he's probably not going to get seven million in the off season, but he's going to get at least a at least a one year contract, maybe two. Uh, Phil Kessel is thirty four, so his next contract is probably going to be a one year deal. It you could push it to two, but 35-year-olds, most of them end up getting one-year deals. Okay. Um, While we're talking about Seattle, (laughs) they have a former USHL goaltender, a former Western Hockey League goaltender, Mm -hmm. a former OHL goaltender. Do you know what they don't have? An NHL goaltender? Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) That's right. They do not have a goaltender with a save percentage over 900. Chris Dreider comes closest with 11 games played and an 896. I feel so bad for him. He was so, he was good in Florida last year. What happened? Um, without diving too deep into it, uh, my yeah. top guesses are team quality, team chemistry, and communication between defense and goaltending. None of those are important, by the way. Oh, okay. Last year, um, tw- last year, 23 games with the Florida Panthers, he had a 206 goals against and a 927 save percentage. 
So nine twenty seven down to eight ninety six with the uh, Seattle Kraken. You know what? It's probably the weather getting to him. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, I I can see that. Philip Grubauer, twenty nine games played, eight ninety three save percentage. He was now okay. Philip Grubauer was actually one of the front runners for the Vesna Trophy last year. Yes. Or at one point in the season. I thought he was one of the he nominees. He had a 922 save percentage for Colorado, whose defense is mostly offensive last year. He's got a career 916 save percentage. Uh, he's played over 13,000 NHL minutes to this point in his career. So if you're going to tell me that the team around the goaltender doesn't have at least some influence on what happens in the net, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Okay. All three goaltenders, mm-hmm. all three goaltenders yeah. are turning in the worst numbers of their career. Who is the third goaltender? Joey Decord. Joey, Joey, Joey came out of the uh, Ottawa system, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yep. Boston boy. Um, seventh round pick of the Ottawa Senators in 2015. Four games, 4.12 goals against, 8.58 save percentage. Uh, even with Ottawa last year, he had better numbers, and yeah. Ottawa was struggling. I mean, Ottawa's not a great team. Nope. I there is something very broken with that with that team, and you and I talked about it during the expansion draft. We were. We were more hopeful for the defense than we were the defense. And I think we may possibly have gotten a little carried away with ourselves or just I, tied up in wishful thinking. I thought goaltending yeah. was going to be OK with them because they were getting Grubauer, because they were getting Dreger. I figured, OK, and then you and then they drafted Decord in the expansion as well. I'm thinking – you know, you stash Joey down in, in, in you stash Joey in the AHL. He's you know give him a chance to to season a little bit. But you got Dreger who's got Grubauer who's got. I'm thinking the goaltending is one place where they really didn't have to worry. And <sighs> oops, yeah. I mean goaltending is honestly a goal score is about where I expected it to be for the team. They're 26th in the league behind the Buffalo Sabers, by the way, with a two point six goals goals for um and goals against um goals against they are they are fourth worst in the league in goals against wow 3.6 goals per game allowed only Ottawa, Montreal, and the vagabonds of Arizona are worse. <laughs> the Arizona homeless team. I just, I, wow. The Tent City Coyotes? Is that they, what we're going okay, to call Okay, that'll work, yeah. Well, I don't know where they're going to play, and that's yet another discussion. We'll have to have some of that. That's terrible, but I don't know where they're going to play. Seattle, I know, I know that they were hoping to have some sort of, I don't know, Vegas moment, 
Oh, look what Vegas did. Uh, the GMs wised up this were time they, around. Were they actually hoping for that? I don't know. Look at I think the fans we, were. Uh, the fans, yes. The fans, I will 100% say they were hoping for that. But when in the process of expansion did you look at what was going on in Seattle and say, wow, I can't wait for that team to take the ice? Um, it was probably at, the same time as I did. At no point during the draft did I say, wow, I can't wait for that team to take the ice. It was not when they hired the general manager. It was not when they hired their coach. It was uh, not when they announced the team name. It was not at the expansion draft. It was not at the entry draft. Um, it was not at free agency day. So, yes, no point in time have I ever been excited for the Seattle Kraken. And I love hockey. I think the no, actually, that's wrong. When they announced that they were going to have the first black play-by-play or color person for the NHL on their roster, that was interesting. That was exciting news. Yes. And it's all been downhill from there. I mean, Cami Granato was before that. Uh, I believe she was announced as part of the scouting for the for the team, yeah. first woman uh, to do so uh, to be part of the uh, part of that. The Kraken have the 23rd best <laughs> um, power play. See, you look at their defense, and okay, I know you don't like Jamie Alexiak. I get that. But Giordano, Larson, Vince Dunn. And after Vince Dunn, yeah, no. They have – Seattle has no. the 20th best um, penalty kill. 20th best. 20th best, yeah. Wow. Um, Higher than I expected. They considering for, considering the goaltending and the goals the goals yeah. against, although 20th is actually higher than I expected. And they win a remarkable 48.6% of their faceoffs, which is to say they less, lose more than they win. Less than half. There you go. And that number is 22nd in the league behind the vagabonds of Arizona. Nice. So we do have we do have an actual race for 32 instead of, you know, just handing it to Arizona. I know. And it's got to be massively disappointing to the Arizona ownership. Well, how are they going to use it to their advantage? They got to find some place to play before they can worry about anything else. What? NHL teams need a place to play. Well, I'm thinking, you know, having ice to skate on and a rink to an arena to have fans come and see your team. Maybe even a place to practice. Place to practice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a pro shop to sell jerseys from. Well, you can always buy the the old record store across the street or something and make that the pro shop. I don't know, but. Yeah, a good place to sell sweaters and, and other fan memorabilia could be important. I don't know. Yeah. Could be. Maybe. Just saying. I, I There was some bigger news out east um, this bigger week. Bigger news. Okay. 
the Montreal Canadiens have named their next general manager. Was this a little bit? Manager. Was this a little bit surprising to you? Um, a little bit, but I've ceased to understand the motivation of Jeff Molson and company, uh, or even pretend that I do. I mean, are they hoping that as as a former agent, he's going to be able to lure Patrice Bergeron to come play there? Maybe they're just hoping that he has a better understanding of current NHL talent than many of the GM prospects or candidates available who actually have some front office experience. I mean, he does. They do still have Jeff Gordon. I mean, he's not filling the GM role. He's vice president of hockey operations. I get it. But Jeff Gordon's influence is still going to help and is still going to uh, go further than Mark Bridgman. Well, and I think that he's being can, consistent about bringing in useful talent. Well, and yeah. here's another thing that I think Montreal's front office should disseminate to all of its uh, all of its scouts and every player in player personnel development um, find healthy players because Montreal has a history of drafting and signing guys with enormous, enormous injury history. Okay. And just having healthier players probably going to help a little bit. I'm not saying it's the only solution, but if you're looking at your draft board and you've got three guys, the next three guys available have one of them has had a separated shoulder, a two high ankle sprains and three crusher and a broken rib or something in the past four years. One of them has had three concussions and the other one, the worst that anyone is aware of is a lost tooth and a bloody nose. And they're all within, you know, a very narrow span in your draft board. Even if you think the potential or the ceiling of the first two is higher, take the third. Take the third one. Yeah, see, you're using that logic and reason stuff. Because guess what? Someone who has multiple injuries. Mm Mm-hmm. That you're going to hear about probably also has more injuries you haven't heard about. And yeah, that's a possibility. Widespread bodily issues. That's almost certainly a, dur- a, a durability issue. Multiple concussions. We talked about Bowen Byram last week. It's unfortunate. It's ugly. I, I wish it hadn't happened to him. And I wish him the best, whatever he decides uh, for his future. Healthy player going to contribute more consistently, not only develop faster, but help the other talent in your roster to develop faster. Why? Because they're going to have consistent line mates. They're not going to be pushed to a slot too high. They're not going to get pushed down at nearly as much simply because there's no one else to play. And you'd rather sacrifice the AHL veteran of 
600 game. You'd rather play the AHL veteran of 600 games because you know what you're going to get out of him rather than pull up a prospect in his first year out of college or juniors. Um, healthy players. Find healthy players. Write that on the wall and is however many languages you need to. Maybe tattoo it on the inner wrist so that when people are holding their clipboards and smartphones and tablets, they can see it. But find healthy players. Find healthy players. I've just written that down. So find healthy players. I don't. I, I... <sighs> now we did. We mentioned what the person or the the co- or the new general manager is Ken. Uh, Kent Hughes, former uh, hockey agent, and as we mentioned, uh, he represented uh, Chris Letang, Patrice Bergeron, Darnell Nurse, Alex Newhook, and several players you probably haven't heard of if you're not family or former teammates. Um, He was part of Cortex Management. Um, I... Yeah. This is his first... NHL GM job, as we as we mentioned. Yeah, he was an agent. He's uh, representing had Bergeron and Chris Letang yes. and Newhook and oh wait, Darnell Nurse. He had some good players, although most of the best players that he had seem to have been acquired ten plus years ago, um, and that may or may not be a good sign long term. Uh, just and focusing on maybe he wanted to keep his lo- roster list small so he could focus on their best interests. That that may well be it. And I suppose in his fifth day as a uh, as a general manager, we shouldn't be expecting too much. But where do you go with the Montreal Canadiens from here? Where do I go? That. <laughs> Well, I mean, you need to a you need to evaluate every position. I read a, a, a tweet. There was a tweet out and on 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 obviously the Twitterverse, but there was a tweet out asking for your five untouchables on the Montreal Canadiens. And my first thought was, I don't think anybody on that team is untouchable. Um. Okay, untouchable or undesirable to trade? Because no, I don't think there's anyone untouchable. Do I think there are players undesirable to trade? Yes. Those players are Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, and Caden Primo. I, and I understand that. I probably untouchable? wouldn't them either. Uh, but are they untouchable? I mean, I think for the right no, deal, I think anybody can be had on this roster. And you nope. really need to evaluate that goaltending because uh, whether he's playing or not, Carey Price is not going to be around forever, even though his contract says so. He's 34 years old now. I mean, if I am... If I am Kent Hughes, I have about half of my forward... Looking at this team, you have about half of your forwards signed beyond next year. The guys who aren't signed aren't a huge priority to either move or retain. Um, Lekkinen, uh, he's got right. He's got arbitration rights as does Pitlick and 
Pizzato, um, Michael Pizzato, Cedric Paquette, and Laurent Dolphin are UFAs. Bye bye. None of them, none of them move the needle. Not really. Um, maybe, given that you have cap space, mm-hmm. uh, you wait this season off season. I mean, I would probably try and move Joel Armia, uh, if he gets healthy before the end of the season. Um, I would probably try and move Brendan Gallagher, uh, if he gets healthy before the end of the season, not because he's done anything wrong, but because he's 29 years old, he's got five years left on his contract. Um, and he probably deserves a fresh start. Um, You've got Shea Weber still on long-term injured reserve through the end of the 26th season. Um, He's not – there's almost no chance of him ever playing again. Paul Byron, um, he's under contract until the end of next season. I'm not sure what his status is. Uh, We know that Carey Price is in the player assistance program, but he's also signed through the end of the 25-26 season. Um, and you've still got a couple of hundred thousand next year and the year after for Carl Alsner. I think my my gut says the Montreal fans aren't going to like it. But if I have any inkling as to what might be useful in the 24 and 23 seasons. Yeah, I start moving people for picks in those two years and not even not even worry too much about this year's draft picks. Um, they have Carolina's first round pick, but not their own. They have their own second round. They have their own Anaheim and Carolina's third round picks. And those are where you're going to expect to get, you know, 60, 75, you know, probably 80% of your roster is coming out of the first three rounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I can move, say, Tyler to Foley and get a pair of second round picks or more in the 2024 draft or move. I know Josh Anderson was just brought in this year and I like him. He's only 27, but if I can move him, even though he's got that no trade clause and pick up a first and a second, or maybe even two firsts, given his term and a five and a half year, a five and a half million contract. Um, you know, if I, got a, if I got a first in 24 and 25, wouldn't be upset. And okay. let some of these young players take the ice. And by that, I mean, let Cole Caulfield and Joel Armia, if you're going to, well, he's not, nece- he's not necessarily young, but Cole Caulfield and uh, Alexander Romanov and... Nick Suzuki, uh, even Jake Evans, let them let them be the centerpiece of your team and see how much they grow over the next year or two. Mm -hmm. Um, That way, if you move two or three of the players I mentioned, you have room if Carey Price manages to return. Um, I I don't necessarily have to I don't think you have to worry about about uh, Shea Weber returning, unfortunately. But uh, Gene Sebastian uh, Dia 
Um, he was someone I remember a decent amount of talk about in his draft year. Um, nope, wrong guy. Um, <laughs> I, there was a different. Uh, there were a couple of players in the Montreal system that I know had some interesting chatter about them, but it allows you to take this year's picks, next year's picks, and maybe even the 24 picks and rebuild because this roster isn't going anywhere. Even if Shea Weber and Carey Price come back February 1st or right after the all-star game and are playing at a hundred percent, this is not, a playoff team in the Eastern Conference. Period. You don't think they have a chance of doing what they did last year? <laughs> I don't think they have a chance of making the playoffs, much less making the Stanley Cup Finals. They are in 32nd now. They would need to jump over many teams, two thirds of the league, in order to in order to move up, and they're in the harder conference. Yes. No, I'm not expecting. This is a teardown. This is. Well, yeah. Clearly. I mean, your goaltending is. Suspect. Jake Allen, Sam Montembeau, Caden Primo. Uh, and Jake, Jake Allen, is he not injured again? He's injured again. So basically you're going with Montembeau and Primo. Michael McNiven has he? Uh, no, you got it. This is a teardown. There's Kent Hughes. Kent Hughes has a big job in front of him because yeah, this is a teardown that's going to need a lot of. I think he's got the right guy guiding him in Jeff Gordon. I think that's going to certainly help smooth things over, and he's probably a good GM to learn from. But this is a tough job for a non for a for a non GM person to take on. I mean, this would be a tough job for a general manager who's had general manager experience to take on. This guy has no GM experience, and he's going to come in, and they're going to have to rip this thing apart and rebuild it. He's got he's got he's got his work cut out for him on this one. Absolutely, I don't... Because you're not getting rid of Suzuki, I get it. But... You're not getting rid of Cole Caulfield, but there's no no. one... Even... Oh, okay, it's highly undesirable to get rid of those two guys. Yeah. But if the right trade package came along, it would be done in a minute, in a skinny minute. Okay, sure. I mean, if Anaheim has completely lost their mind and they say... We want to trade you Troy Terry and a first-round pick for Nick Suzuki. Okay, first of all, the, the, who's the GM out in Anaheim? Yeah, as I said, completely lost their because mind. completely lost his job would be the very next thing. Might not stop the trade from going through. Yeah, I, the, the the ownership would certainly hope because I'm sorry, but Jeff Solomon out there, if he wanted to trade Troy Terry in a in, in a first for Nick Suzuki. No. As a a GM on the other end of that, would you say no? Of course not. As Kent Hughes, I would be, I don't know, trying to stifle the laughter as I said yes. It would, yeah, it would be like 
uh, when Dougie I'll... Hamilton was available and Peter Chiarelli giggles, smirked, and just sort of ran to the podium to take him. Yes. That would be Kent Hughes. And the next thing Kent Hughes would do is tell his secretary to send a get uh, a commiseration card to Jeff Solomon. Sorry you lost your job being a fool. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't trade Troy Terry in a first for Nick Suzuki. Just saying. It's not necessarily a wise trade, but it's – Oh, wait, maybe we could do Trevor Zegris instead <sighs> again. Or, or Trevor. No, just Trevor Zegris and Jamie Drysdale for Cole Caulfield. <laughs> Trevor Zegris and Jamie Drysdale for, um, uh, for, 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 J, for, what's his name there? Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> maybe you actually think you can make your team stand up if you get the right captain. Hey. Buffalo thought they could get Jake Dry- Jamie Drysdale and Trevor Zegers. Maybe you call up the Anaheim. Uh, maybe you call up the Kings and say that Kopitar guy is still pretty good, but you know he is a little bit old, and yeah. our young guys need a leader. Okay. Maybe. I don't know that. And I don't know that Anze is going anywhere. He's retiring a king. I'm pretty sure. Well, the thing is, is he has a no trade clause. And while I certainly it's a modified no trade clause, um, seven teams he's willing to be traded to. So, okay, yeah, Montreal's probably not going to be among them. To Montreal? Yeah, no, good luck. I thought you were talking about to Anaheim. I'm like, hmm. To Montreal, Anze Kopitar has, there's no need for Anze Kopitar to go to Montreal. No, no. None. Coast to coast? No. <laughs> Not even within his own state. And I, and, and I think that Kopitar might be more helpful to Anaheim. And I still don't think it would happen. But wow, coast to coast? Yeah, no. He's going to have trouble. I mean, I understand it's, a, it's an original six team. It's Montreal Canadiens. The, 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 the history of that organization, I get it. I still think that as constructed today, he's going to have a little bit more difficulty getting people there. I'm not saying it's going to be terribly difficult, but I think it's going to take a little bit more salesmanship than it might have in the past to get somebody to want to go there. I, I mean, not, not so much through trades, but I'm talking about through free agency, you know, trying to uh, Acquire players, getting them to sign on the dotted line, that type of thing. I don't know that that's going to happen as easily as it may have in the past. Just because, you know, it becomes a, well, when am I going to win? How, you know, are we going to get to the playoffs? Are we going to make it into the Stanley Cup final? How long is it going to be? Um, I'm hearing, uh, according to the rumor mill... And in this case, uh, the rumor mill would be Dominic Tiano. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a there's a potential for uh, Kent Hughes to be approached by Don Sweeney um, for a couple of players we've just talked about and one we didn't. Um, according to Don, uh, there's information that Kent uh, Hughes will approach 
uh, or will be approached about Brendan Gallagher, Tyler Toffoli, uh, who the Bruins expressed interest in in the past. I know that the Bruins were theoretically in on uh, Toffoli last summer or the summer before. Yeah, theoretically. Um, but, you know, Brendan Gallagher is a player that uh, Milan Lucic told them to draft and told them to draft and told them to draft. Mm-hmm. And Brendan Gallagher, as much as I like what Smith is doing, mm-hmm. a healthy Brendan Gallagher on Bergeron and Marchand's line. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. <laughs> I don't. Outstanding. Yeah. And if Tyler Toffoli wants to play a little center. No. No? Tyler Toffoli is a center? I'm pretty sure he's a winger. Can you humor play? me for a minute. Okay. All right. I'll humor you. Go ahead. If Tyler Toffoli wants to play a little bit of center. Okay. And can be reasonable on the dot. What's reasonable? Above 47%. Okay. On the left, you have Hall. On the right, you have Pasta. And in the middle, you have two T's. I I mean, the other possibility... I like the offensive output of that line. I really do. The other possibility... It's... I mean, right now, Tautafoli in very limited face-offs, and I'm talking 12 total face-offs. He's got a 41.7. He's won five of them. Ouch. Uh, Last year, he took a total of 54 face-offs and won 21 of them. The last time he took that many was back in 1819 with the Kings. He took... 51 of them, he took 51 face-offs and won 24. He's he's really just a winger. I think that you would struggle with him in the middle. Okay, so which? I, I, like I said, I love the offensive output. I mean, Tyler Tafoli, Taylor Taylor Hall, and, and Pasta on a line together. I, I'm seeing many goals. If I'm you just, could only get one of them for the Bruins, Tafoli or or Gallagher. Um, I know who I have to answer and I know who I want to answer. Gallagher also just a winger, but he's a right winger. Yeah, both of them are right wingers. Defoli can play both sides. My heart says Gallagher, my head says Defoli. And I my body says the same. Gallagher, I think the belligerence would be a wonderful just, compliment. The the intangibles, as they like to call them. The, the, I like. Is it wrong to have too many Brad Marchands on the team, though? I like the fact that Brendan Gallagher is willing to go to the front of the net and tip pucks, annoy defensemen, distract goaltenders, and be useful there. Mm-hmm. Tyler Toffoli doesn't do that as much. But Tyler Toffoli has been a heck of a lot healthier in his career. 
Yeah, and Tyler Toffoli can, although not so much this year. Only seven goals this year. He's played 29 games. He's got 21 points in 29 games. I mean, Toffoli's more of a goal scorer. He's averaging 17 and a half minutes a night. I, I, I mean, Toffoli is healthy now. And that's the important thing, yes. To but Bolton over 29 years old. The salaries, there's not really much to choose. Well, Toffoli is – okay. Cash-wise, it just ha- about has to be Toffoli. He's at four and a quarter. Oh, okay. Versus Gallagher's six and a half. Yeah. Um, Gallagher's played I mean, 25 the question, games, only has 10 points to – to Foley's 29 games and 21 points. I mean, the question then becomes, do either of them want to come here? Because Gallagher has that uh, modified no trade. and uh, I think they would want to come here for the opportunity to play in the playoffs. Montreal is playing not- in the playoffs would be nice. Um, Gallagher, who's played his entire career as a Montreal Canadian going to the Boston Bruins. That might be a little bit harder. He might he might need to move his family before the trade is announced. Um, <laughs> that 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 shoehorning him out of there might be more difficult. Tafoli, you know, West Coast played on the West Coast most of his career. You know, signs with get even even when he was traded up to uh, Vancouver before and then signed with Montreal. Montreal. So, I mean, he's moved around at least. So getting him out of Montreal wouldn't be as difficult. And like you said, contract is less expensive. Um, Health-wise, I think that Toffoli is the correct answer. Yes, I would love to have Gallagher. Like I said, my heart says Gallagher, but I think Toffoli would be the right choice. You can stick him on a wing. If you have to, try and work somebody else in they need to do something about Howla and the 2C, and this this whole discussion wasn't supposed to be about the Bruins. but No, they need to do something about the 2C, and so, and they need to add something on defense because I like – we can't get into that. We're, we're deep into the show, and we can't get too far sidetracked. Well, we're still talking about – we're still talking about Kent Hughes, Hughes and moves he can make. Uh, I don't it's see just everything. <laughs> I don't see anything except for two or three players worth retaining and making really difficult to get. I'm not talking going to Buffalo Sabres version of what they should what they expected to get for uh their former captain mm-hmm. who quit on the team by wanting a surgery that was effective in other athletes but hadn't been done in hockey players but I don't have a see. I, I don't. Are you saying you had a problem with him doing that? I don't have a problem no, with him doing that. That's their words that he quit on the team. Oh, okay. That's how I was going to say. I I don't think he quit on the team. I think him wanting to get the appropriate surgery and getting it done right and getting it done early was not quitting on the team. I think he was trying to help the team, and they didn't see that. If in his mind, and I think a lot of reasonable people. He saw that as the fastest path back to the ice with some durability. 
I think he saw the other pass as less desirable um, and riskier. Um, and let's be honest, he had more time to ask more questions of more medical professionals than the front office did. Um, Jake DeBrusque requested a trade on November 29th and is and still a part of the Boston Bruins. He's still a Bruin, yeah. Still a Bruin. Um, still the a hockey Bruin. news, uh, Lyle Richardson is evaluating some of the uh, some of the rumors around him. Um, I don't know if Sweeney actually wants, or from the reading, from reading this article, I don't know that Sweeney necessarily wants to move him. Um, something still here. Something cited here is a lack of physicality in DeBrusque's game. Really? What ever convinced people that Jake DeBrusque was going to be the second coming of Milan Lucic or Sean Thornton or um, his dad? Uh, he's not Louis. He's, he's not a he fighter. Is not, he is not his dad. I'm just saying that no. that's where they're getting. It. That's the only explanation I can come up with because okay, yes, Louis Erickson wasn't enforced. So I think he scored like a total of 17 goals in his career. But okay. Louis Erickson also big, broad-shouldered, and and menacing. He, I yes. mean, he's a big guy, and Jake is not. Jake's a reasonable-sized guy. I think that part of it might have been the fact that Jake had 81 penalty minutes in his uh, draft year, and that might have reset the mentality. But it dropped down significantly uh, in his next year to about 70 um, in those in fewer games. He only had 49 in he only had 30 minutes of penalties in 74 AHL games in his first year pro. 43 penalty minutes in his 70 games in the NHL in his rookie year, 42 and 68, 35 and 65. When, when did everyone get the impression that he was going to be a punishing menace on the ice? And when has that been required of guys in the on pace to score 30 goals? Because in the 1819 season, he had 27 in 68 and you give someone else 14 games at that pace, and yeah, they're going to come up with three or more goals. I I don't get this, and I think this is one of those things where we see Bruin, we see guys the Bruins pick, they get washed out uh, of the Bruins system, mm-hmm. and they get picked up elsewhere, and their production goes up 15 to 30 percent somewhere else because they're being played appropriate to their talents and not being expected to do something based on questionably constructed expectations. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking is, is Jake, what, what are they trying to bring in? Cause Don Sweeney and it says here in, 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 Spectre's note that Sweeney, as you said, seeks a forward or defenseman of comparable value. Um, I don't know. It, it, apparently, the Rangers are interested in DeBrusque. Um, I don't want Sweeney dealing with the Rangers at all because 
it seems every time he deals with the Rangers, the Bruins lose their shirt. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. You can say it. Yeah, I really would like them. Not, I really would like him to not deal with the Rangers. Uh, Philip Heedle, no, and the, Philip Heedle, Vitaly Kravtsov, no. I just I I don't know what he's looking to get in return. Um, and yes, it worries me that Jake has. I mean, and and if you watch the last few games that he's played, he's actually putting forth more more effort. I don't know if he's trying to help his own he's trade stock. He's skating better. Yeah, he's skating better. He's his forecheck is is stronger. He's his passing seems to be a little bit. Crisper, and it worries me that when you, wherever you deal him to, he's going to the proverbial being shot out of a cannon type of thing because he's just thrilled to be anywhere but Boston at this point. I mean, and what are we? What 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 is the ultimate you can expect to get for Jake DeBrusk? You're not going to be getting first round picks and and top level prospects. I think you can at least get a second round pick if you deal with the right team. And okay. that and that there is part of my issue with um with Sweeney. Mm-hmm. He's looking to trade player for player, and that just limits what you can do. You need to be flexible enough to say, okay, you don't have a player, but you're interested. Let's talk draft pick let's talk draft picks that will get this done. Let's talk prospects that will get this done. If you can pick up two minor league prospects at, or a a couple of a collection of picks and prospects that will allow you to flip them for something else. But as, but as you stated earlier, they do actually they do need help on the blue line. They, they do, do need, need help. a second line center, which I don't know that DeBrusque is going to bring that. But no, they I, do need those things. But yes, but you can't always make. Okay, no, I, I get what you're saying. You can't make the player fit the you can't make the deal fit the player or, or the player exactly. fit the like, deal you, every single time. You have I, to be flexible, and I understand that as well. I don't take I don't take the extra frying pan that I got for Christmas and try and return it for a carburetor for my car. You probably don't shop for the two things in the same place. Get right. get what you need. Get rid of what you don't. Use the pieces. And I don't I don't remember the last time Sweeney made a player for prospects deal. He keeps trying to make player for player deals, which might be ideal and certainly show a faster return. But what's it getting you? Are the Bruins a better team today than they were two years ago? No, no, no. They, they really they really aren't uh, about the same. Are they a better team than Maybe when he slightly took over? Rest. Are they a better team than when he took over? I think slightly, but not markedly. I don't know that they are actually a better team. Oh, okay. I mean, he took over 
as general manager May 20th, 2015. So about a year just, after just they went that draft, <laughs> he took over a year after they went back to the Stanley cup finals. Because they were in the 13, 14. Yeah, it was, they were in the Stanley cup finals in 2014. Really? Wait a minute. Was it 2013? 2013 against Chicago. 2014 was the Kings. Kings won it in 12 and 14. Chicago won it in 13, 15, 17. Yeah, no, it would have been 13 that they went to the final because they played Chicago and lost in six games, if I'm not mistaken. That wow. uh, that sounds closer. Okay, so um, let's, they were let's one year take a look at the time machine. They were one year removed from a final, but he's gotten them back to a final. I mean, okay, if you want to give him round, that kind of credit. The, the Bruins had a 54-19-9 record in the, pre- in the season before he uh, took over. 54-19-9? Wow. Yep. Um, and they lost in the semifinals. They, or they won, no, they won one round. Okay. The best performance and admittedly you had two two shortened seasons mm-hmm. uh is 50 20 and 12 so not better record wise okay and that was the year they lost in the final to st louis st louis partly louis. because they played the wrong players in game seven partly yeah. because well other stuff that three or four years ago 17 or 18 i don't remember which which one? No, wait, was it 19? The final. The, it, the, it was 19. 49, 24, and 9. They lost in the finals to St. Louis. Okay. Um, I, I don't know that they're a better team. They, don't, they certainly don't have the veteran depth. They're... Best players are still on the shady side of 32. Playing because Brad line. Marchand, <laughs> Patrice Bergeron are still your best two players. Yeah, I agree with David that. David Pasternak is arguably your third best player. Well, he right now he's number one goal scorer since the beginning of the year. So, um. I mean, talk about flipping a switch. In 2022, he's got 10 goals, which is number one in the league, ahead of guys like Ovechkin and Dreisaitl. And and where's the pedigree of your defense? Where's the where's the uh, where's the Norris Trophy winner? Where's oh, the Norris he, Trophy oh, that's finalist? Coming. That's coming. That 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 that's coming. That's a. Uh, you know, I'll take Hall, your word for it. Hall of Famer is going to win that one. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the only Bruin that seems to be doing anything uh, uh, is with high quality outside the team mm-hmm. isn't even a member of the Bruins management. Uh, and that's Brad Marchand. And he's been living rent free in the Carolina Hurricanes heads for a while. <laughs> um, he was yes. compared to. He was compared to one of their players last week. Um, someone said, are you calling me a rat? Yeah, this whole rat thing is. 
hilarious and silly, but yes. Uh, that was the comparison. Are you calling me a rat? And Brad Marchand at that time responded, this is like comparing a Lamborghini to some junk car. Mm-hmm. After, after Carolina came in and beat the pants off of Tuka Rask and a fairly lackluster Bruins uh, team after Willie O'Ree's uh, jersey got raised to the Raptors. The, t- uh, the Carolina Hurricanes tweet out Ellis for Lamborghini with the t- with the score of the game, and Brad Marchand being Brad Marchand responds, uh, "You guys are you're why we're playing twenty percent escrow this season," which is of course a reference to Carolina not being uh, especially high on the revenue list for NHL teams. Mm-hmm. You know, this is still the reason we pay twenty percent in escrow. <laughs> There's no more entertaining player on social media in the NHL than Brad Marchand. None. Like, uh, Roberto Luongo's account used to be entertaining here and there, although he didn't run it 100% himself. Um, The boring Sean Monaghan fan account used to be great. But as far as actual players, no one is even close. And you know what's going to happen when Brad Marchand is done playing hockey? Uh, the networks in the leagues it, are not going to be smart enough to shove him behind a desk and give him free reign. Nope. They won't do it at torts. Like, picture 10 years from now. John Marchand... Uh, Brad Marchand and John Tortorella breaking down a Stanley Cup final in the intermissions. That's your intermission show. I would pay. I would pay to get into the live audience for that. I would literally pay to get into the live audience for that. Uh-huh. And that's before you add anyone else, like. Uh, bring Biz Nasty in. Great. <laughs> I, the chef? Bissonette, uh, yeah. Bissonette, yeah, Bissonette, yeah. I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that that's more of an act, but okay. I mean, Brad to me seems real and untethered and raw, and Bissonette, I just, I, when I when I listen to him, when I watch I just part of me is thinking it's 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 all an act and and and, and I'm not quite I don't know it just that's the way it feels but yes Brad Marchand very very entertaining unfortunately he's not going to be getting behind the desk anytime soon uh, well anytime after he retires he's not at the way he's playing as enter as what he's currently in the last three years, third overall in scoring, he's not retiring anytime soon. And everyone should be glad of that. Well, who doesn't have to play him, but, or at least defend against him, but he's the most entertaining thing in hockey on ice and on Twitter. It's him. 
Yes. And I used to think the same. It, it, my, one of my favorite reads and follows was um, the social media account, social media account of the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights when they first came into the league. Their first two years were on fire. Now I get the feeling they're falling in line. They they're slowly having the personality sucked out of them. So Frank Cervelli, uh, who is one of the better names in hockey uh, coverage, uh, has been talking about the Chicago Blackhawks of late, and on Sportsnet uh, Radio 650 recently, he said that there are three untouchables on the Chicago Blackhawks that somehow do not include Kirby Doc. What? Yeah, they don't want to. Yeah, Kirby Doc is okay. We can ship him out. Sure. We can ship out Alex to bring it. It's okay. We don't need those. Two. We don't need to bring it. Yeah. He's, he's yeah, no to bring it. And he's no certainly doc. touchable. He's how old again? <laughs> uh, let's see. To bring it is 24. Yeah. He, he, yeah, I could see where he'd be. You know, we could certainly trade him away. Youth and exuberance and goals. Doc and, is 21. Sure. Bye-bye. On his entry-level contract, if he's available and Don Sweeney hasn't made a call. <laughs> I want Don Sweeney's if he's legitimately, job. If Kirby Doc is legitimately available and they haven't made a call for a guy who plays both center and right wing, that is a resume-generating event. Yes, that's why I said I want Don Sweeney's job. Because, <laughs> because my I first phone call is – my first phone call, I was going to say is to Stan Bowman, but it's no longer Stan Bowman. Uh, he went bye-byes. So my uh, first phone call is to Kyle Davidson. <clears throat> yeah, and, and hey, Kyle. Kyle, since you decided to make, you know, everybody available, uh, I want Kirby. <laughs> yeah, uh, why don't we talk about Kirby and Alex and we'll move, we'll move on from there. Exactly. Because um, they're not on the list. Hello. And <laughs> How look, are they not on the list? Look, Patrick Kane is an electrifying player. He's also going to be 34 before the year is over. Still 34. The point per game. There's look, I, I there's. There's not much to criticize about Patrick Kane. I don't think he's significantly slower than he was three years ago. I don't think his shot is any worse than it was three years ago. Mm-hmm. But he's 33 years old. Jonathan Taze, Captain Sirius, missed over a year of hockey. If you want to take a run at trading for anyone else, they'll listen. 16 wow. games away from his 1,000th game with the, with the, in the NHL and with the Blackhawks, okay? Mm-hmm. But he's only got 18 points in 41 games, which is his worst points production in his entire career. Seth Jones, we know my opinion of him. Um, if he were available, he would actually be my first – the first name I mentioned in that – in that yeah, call. but Seth Jones, Seth Jones is on the untouchables list. Yes, that that is true. 
Um, but how has this roster not Taysen. already been picked apart? Well, Tazen Kane, because no, no, no. How has this roster not already been picked apart? I don't know. And the only untouchables calls. are a 27 year old defenseman and two guys on the shady side of 30. The mm-hmm. Brinkett, Kubelik, um, even Ryan Carpenter is a good depth forward. Um, Calvin DeHaan is a solid depth defenseman. Um, Caleb Murphy. Jones has bounced in and out of the lineup, but he's a solid depth defenseman. Kevin Lankinen. I think that, you know, if you give him a defense that actually knows what it's for, uh, what the position is supposed to do, you're going to get uh, better results. And we we might have people might have mentioned what's going to happen with uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, you know, about two years after he retires. Well, there's that place in Toronto and oh, yeah. he has to wait three years for that, doesn't he? Or is that, yeah. do they have that regulation in the NHL when you have to wait so many years? I believe it's three years, but he's probably his jersey's probably going up in Pittsburgh when he retires. Well, that's going to happen soon, yeah. And then he could have he could be one of the few players that has his jersey hanging up in multiple spots because it, it conceivably I know he wasn't there a long time, but Vegas. But yeah. But in Vegas, he's there at the start. He, you know, he's there in their inaugural season. They go to the Stanley Cup final. He could conceivably get. I know it's only been three seasons, but it, it's conceivable. I'm not saying it's going to happen, seasons, but, but yeah, four seasons. Excuse me. It's conceivable he could have his number hanging there as well. Particularly since he played 47 playoff games in four years for a break uh, for a brand new franchise. Yeah, that's not exactly a low bar. 47 playoff games. But this, this Chicago team, yeah, how nobody's – I mean, Mike, obviously nobody – how do you not make a phone call for Brett Connolly? For that matter, Tyler Johnson is on their long-term injured reserve. Okay. When When's he supposed to be healthy again? Yeah, we'll take him. Johnson, wow. And you've got the younger doc in the in their uh, in their system, Colton. Yeah, the brother, yeah. I forgot about that. They did they drafted him too, yeah. Se- uh sixty seconds, uh so second round. Over, I'd be all over Kyle Davidson right now. Like all over him. I mean his phone should legitimately be melting with the number of people calling him. To should bring be. it. Kubalik, uh, Doc, uh, no. I understand. I understand they're not going to listen to you know guys down here, Lucas Reichel. You know, okay, I get that. You probably you're not moving those guys. The I get that, but uh, yeah, am I making a phone call? If for, Sir Valley is right, why is this roster still? <laughs> Because they're waiting till the trade deadline. <laughs> That's still dumb. I I, I don't. I, I, what I'm trying to say is I don't have an answer because I'd be the first one to make the phone. I'd be like trying to get to the phone immediately. Be so I want to be first in line. 
I'd probably have been on the phone and dispatched my assistant general manager to uh, to the guy's house to make sure that he didn't take anyone else's phone calls. Maybe my head of uh, pro scouts to the uh, to the team's uh, offices just to double just to double check. I not not that they're going to take John Moore in a deal, but you know maybe. They, Who knows? They, they're willing. They're willing to trade the Brinket. Maybe they're willing to take John Moore in, in some kind of deal. They're willing to pray. They're willing to trade the Brinket, Kubalik, and Doc. <laughs> there's no. There's no telling what good sense actually exists in their in that front office. Um, and your boys Uh-oh. might be, might be, might be mm-hmm. the future home of Evander Kane. Who's boys? Your boys, the Detroit? Washington Capitals. They're not my Washington Capitals. Oh, come on, man. Seriously? Uh, Why would he the, go to the Capitals? I don't the understand The team over that. at Sportsnet are reporting that uh, Evander Kane has uh, – or is Evander Kane has interest from the Washington Capitals. Um, the Edmonton Oilers have shown, and according to the article, it's been known that the Edmonton Oilers have shown serious interest in signing Kane, and mm-hmm. now the Washington Capitals have discussed the possibility of signing Kane. So, why? How come these rumors and these these these, these swirling stories never involve like I don't know the local team here in Boston? I mean, it would be nice to. Do I have to be polite? It, unfortunately, yeah, because uh, I know that the the subtitles actually edit you out. So, um, it takes a certain amount of bravado and swagger to make bold moves. Ah, okay. Also, it takes a certain amount of confidence. In your locker room, in your players, to bring in someone who is potentially trouble. See, I don't, I don't think he's going to be trouble in that locker room. I think I, the personalities in that locker room would be able to handle it. Because no one in the league, no one in the league, behaves poorly towards Patrice Bergeron twice in a season. Occasionally people will get upset with him, but it seems like by the next time they meet their own team or possibly their coach has said, yeah, you don't want to do that. (laughs) Patrice Bergeron may be one of the two or three most popular players in the league because I've seen scuffles going on on the ice where guys are pushing their own teammates away, pushing the other team away and Bergeron will walk in and just put his hand on the guy's shoulder and magically the guy melts back like four steps. I don't no think pushback, it. no dirty looks, no threats, just we. I know and Alexander Burrows likes Patrice Bergeron. He's not in the league anymore. Um, That's true, yes. Because even after uh, Jeff Skinner had his little uh, dust-up with Patrice Bergeron, where it looked like Bergeron was going to um, 
greet him with his knuckles uh, repeatedly. Um, that was Jeff Skinner's problem. That was Jeff Skinner's problem because he tried to slew foot someone and Bergeron was a tiny bit miffed. Mm-hmm. Um, even Jeff Skinner hasn't repeated that level of annoyance to Bergeron. But I mean, Kane's only 30 years old. I mean, he's, he's a winger. We need a winger. He's the thing to I, talk. The thing to remember everything except for the idiot COVID uh, move that he made has been proven not to be true. The accusations about, um, I mean, he was investigated for misconduct with his uh, soon-to-be ex. No arrests, no yeah, I, nothing I love, there. I love all of this, yeah. The, the he was investigated thing. for betting on ga- on team games. No, the the league did that. There were probably uh, there were probably some uh, some law enforcement involvement. No signs of it. Yeah, no sign. No, 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 no evidence of the ga- no evidence of the gambling. No signs of him abusing his wife or whatever else. No domestic assault. I don't get it. No evidence of betting on hockey games. Um. Okay, so now you've got him with a COVID nineteen thing, which look, it's stupid. I I won't even defend it. So all these things that he supposedly did, and then the way it's driven him, driven a, a wedge between him and and San Jose. And okay, fine, San Jose wants to get rid of his contract. There you go. They found a way to get out of his contract. And let's not let's not forget that. San Jose had serious cap issues Mm -hmm. and I believe that their cap situation isn't extremely better. Uh, I believe that they're still not uh, fairly tight to the cap. Well, no, they have, they now have 10 million in cap space. Well, that, well, that'll happen when you get rid of $7 million a year. Uh, And that's, but they still also have $7 million on their injured reserve. They have Kevin LeBlanc um, and three guys who I'm really not sure I've ever seen on the ice. LeBlanc, Khrushchev, Gajovic, and Jacob Middleton. I think I've heard of Middleton. The other two guys, not so much. But, I mean, seriously, their money is like a pittance against the cap compared to LeBlanc. I mean, the three of them combined are like 2.1 mil, which is less than half of Kevin's. And they're still paying almost $2 million in dead cap money to Martin Jones. Oops. Why? Uh, I think the word is mismanagement. And are, it, are you getting on Doug Wilson's case now? <laughs> yes. Okay, just check. And quite frankly, well, I nice. think that there's a case to be made for Evander Kane or Parsons on his behalf to say that his good name was blackened by the by the team you think? specifically be, uh, for the benefit of the of the of the San Jose's financially. I, I believe 
I, I, I believe that to be true. And I don't like the fact, and you're affecting the man's livelihood is ability, his ability to play hockey, because now you've got other teams questioning whether they should bring him in because of his issues, which, okay, all the investigating that was done found no evidence of any of those things, but because of the way they pushed it around and maneuvered him and pushed him down to minors and uh, he, he breached the COVID contract. Uh, it, no, stop. Let the guy play hockey. Stop besmirching him and allow him to enjoy that which he is good at and should be earning a living at. One last quick hit before we go. Yeah. Two weeks ago, the Boston Bruins signed Tuka Rask to a new contract. Uh-huh. They did. He was supposed to play in Providence, and those games were rescheduled. Well, yeah, postponed or whatever against Jumped back into the NHL. Um, Supposed to be a goaltender that we can count on to be elite. Well, they so, so much so that they sent Jeremy Swayman back down to the minors. Let's not um, worry about what that's done to his confidence. Of the 82 goaltenders to play three or more games this season, mm-hmm. there are exactly two guys who have a worse save percentage than Tuka Rask. Mm-hmm. And his save percentage 35 years ago in the mid-80s. Isn't his save percentage elite, though? Um, not so elite. far as I can tell. Because 857 puts him 80th of the 82 to play three or more games this season. That's not 857 is not possible. There's no way he okay. has an 857. Okay, I'm going to give you a couple of really quick, a couple of names real quick. You tell me what they have in common. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Subban, Former. Anton Hudobin. Uh, let's see. There's a couple more here on the list. Um, Oh, Martin Jones. Not Horrorbone. Yeah, he is Horrorbone. Okay. Uh, Dan Vladar. Yeah, okay. I see this theme. I'm seeing the theme. There's another one that should be coming here soon. Yaroslav Halak. There he is. Uh, Jeremy Swayman. Yep. Um, he he yep. kind of doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the profile, though. The rest of them are all, quote unquote, former Bruins. And well, Jeremy Swayman Boston is Bruins. still. He, he, yeah, well, he's been sent down. I mean, he he is two and one in the AHL, Jeremy. By the way, it was a nine twenty save percentage and a two point oh two goals against. Nine twenty. Yeah, he's got nine twenty in the AHL. He had a nine eighteen with the Bruins this season. I can see why you would want to send a nine eighteen save percentage down so you could bring back an eight fifty seven save percentage. Absolutely. By the way, are all those sense. former are all those former Bruins like better numbers than Tuca? All of those former Bruins are better numbers than Tuca. Figures. And of the Bruins to play uh, in the crease this year, uh, any number or three games or more. Blado have like two shutouts. I believe so. Um, we can talk about that next week, but he does. Nine eighteen. Jeremy Swayman save percentage in sixteen games. Mm-hmm. Linus Olmark nine fifteen save percentage. And we already mentioned that Tuka Rask's is an 8.57, which wouldn't have been good in the heyday of Brad Park. 
Well, it was nice of him to allow Carolina to score five goals in the first period. On 12 shots. Which, according to one of the writers over at uh, Black and Gold Hockey, he had no opportunity to make any of those five saves. Oh, my goodness. No, don't get me started. No opportunity. I, I, t- I, tweeted expected. Out, I tweeted out the TV guys driving me nuts with the way they defend him that somehow none of those goals were his fault. He is a goaltender. He is literally paid to stop the puck. Wait. Goaltenders are paid to stop pucks. Yes. Literally. I should write that down and probably other people should too. Paid on the basis of him is paid on the, the, the job requirement is stopping the puck. That's why he gets paid. So telling me that he couldn't stop any of those goals is like, uh, okay, then he should be fired for failing job for failing job performance. I would get terminated if I had that, if I was like that. So if you are supposed to file 12 reports yes, and you filed seven of them mm-hmm. uh, to a state or federal agency mm-hmm. or just as part of the, co- uh, the quarterly reports for a given organization, what would happen to you? Uh, there would be some form of reprimand uh, up to and possibly including termination. Huh. Wow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we leave you. <coughs> Have a wonderful week. Um, enjoy the hockey. Let us know what you think about the soon-to-be-finalized uh, fantasy hockey or fantasy or – I'm sorry – all-star rosters. There you go. Because mm-hmm. I am sure that there will be a couple of players who suddenly become ill or injured um, or just plain drop out of the games. Still trying to uh, figure and events. Marsh, still trying to figure out how Marshand isn't an all-star. Uh, he's not an all-star. How do you – clearly that's a discussion for another time because I don't get it. Top eight in the league in scoring, but not an all-star. Exactly. And on that note, boys and girls. And on that note, boys and girls, thank you very much for listening. Share with your friends, family, random coworkers. Uh, play it in the background uh, of all of those boring meetings you're stuck doing uh, over video this week. Take care. <laughs>